today I have Marshall Sparkman, uh, an individual who went through a, a rough transition. It's going to be an excellent story. I mean, here's a here's an O grade who who got out uh, and and kind of got dragged through the mud uh, a little bit, uh, but persevered. Uh, you're going to love his transition story, and then you're going to love the feedback uh, we give on home buying. Uh, we talk about finances and we talk about the VA uh, home loan process. So if you're interested in any and all that, and particularly the finance piece, uh, it's going to be pretty important as you transition out of the military life and the civilian life because you're, you're in a whole different group now. So stay tuned. Play up. Play up. Hey, Marshall, appreciate you joining the show today. Thanks for uh, stopping by, sharing some of your knowledge on your military transition and, and kind of the whole uh, home buying process. Somebody who, who I would consider, you know, pretty much an expert in the field. Uh, so appreciate it. And, uh, yeah. you know, without further ado, go ahead, man. Yeah, Ryan, I appreciate you having me here, man. It's uh, it's awesome. It's an honor. I appreciate everything you're doing in the uh, in the veteran community, man. I think it's awesome to see uh, see guys getting out and really just con- just have the passion to continue to serve, man. So, um, my salute to you, brother. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, you know, we each try to find that niche, right? Uh, you're never gonna get that yeah. uh, that mission you had in the military, right? And uh, it in probably any job. Um, so, so you find different ways to do it and, and you get to still educate, uh, people through, throughout your daily life as well. And I just decided to go through, through kind of the podcast route. So. No, I think it's awesome, man. I think, uh, you know, when we get out of the military, um, I don't know, I was, I was a, I was a young captain when I got out. Right. And I felt like I, when I felt like I got out prematurely, we had had our uh, we had our second kid and we were living out in California and my wife didn't have any family or any friends anywhere nearby and I was deployed on the road you know back then we were road warriors on the road all the time so when I was when I was home I would work 15 hour shifts and then I would leave TDY or training or something I was I was never home and then we would deploy you know four months on two months off and and um, it was just just brutal nonstop but. So I'm. Um, long story short, my wife, uh, she kept leaving me, man. She would come back to Tennessee, and I told her, I said, I said, you know, if you leave me again, I'm just gonna, I'll just pay you child support times two for the next 18 years, and you know, we'll be good. <laughs> and uh, you know, you give a woman an ultimatum, and, and what does she do? So she, uh, she left again, and this time I think I was, I was, I was going to Korea or somewhere. So I took this deployment, and um, I just, uh, I had also just received orders to my next assignment, which was like my dream assignment. It was working with the F-35 Joint Strike Fighters. So um, the Air Force doesn't just let anybody go work the F-35 program. It's kind of like their top dog, top gun program. So I had to go to all the right schools, get the right recommendations, get my commanders to, you know, endorse me and that kind of stuff. And finally, I got orders to that program. And then on the other hand, I've got this family that, you know, is beautiful, two little girls and this wife that I don't know if we're going to work things out or not. And um, so I just I just said, you know, I feel like uh, the right thing to do is to to um, to go try to make this family thing work. And I got out. And then immediately when I got out, man, I was very just resentful. I was regretting it. I'd just taken another deployment and, um, you know, saw some crazy stuff while I was gone. And and um, I came back on terminal leave and came straight back to Tennessee and just, just jumped, dove right back into the civilian world. And I went from sir, where I got saluted everywhere. I went to, I took a job with this guy. Uh, this, I remember this kid, he was in college and he was like, dude, you're just an ass. And I was like, what? <laughs> so that was my, uh, reacclimation back into the civilian world. And I struggle, man. And, um, uh, you know, I, I struggled with the whole, now what am I going to do with myself? What am I going to do with my life? I've got all this experience behind me. What the heck does that even mean in the civilian world? You know, um, so I didn't, I, I just, all I knew was in my heart, I wanted to continue to serve. And 
I was uh, when I got out. I had 423 guys under me. I was over. Uh, I was over uh, aircraft maintenance unit for the U2 fleet, and um, I had 423 guys in seven organizations. So I had a ton of responsibility, and uh, you know I got my butt chewed on a daily basis by a full bird colonel. And then you know you just don't you just don't have those experiences in the in the civilian world. So my transition it was just brutal. And I thought, well, you know, I don't really want to work for somebody. So I went to I went to a, a several job interviews, and I went through one of those recruiting, uh, you know, those job fairs where it's mm-hmm. military friendly, and they'll have a bunch of people, and you'll go do several interviews and get some job opportunities. Um, I did several of those, and then I, I did this one interview, and this guy, um, he uh, he told me. At, at, during the interview, he was looking. I was in a suit and tie, right? And this was a factory type job because I was just getting desperate at this time. And he looked at me. He was like, "Man, your penmanship sucks. You need to work on your penmanship." And I remember, like, <laughs> I just looked at him, like I, I literally wanted to crawl out of my suit and just go home and cry. And uh, fast forward a little bit, I, I start. I kind of stumble into the mortgage business, and this guy, I, I take a loan application from this guy that I couldn't get him alone because his credit was messed up. And come to find out, I remembered who he was. It was the guy that had interviewed me. So I kind of got the last laugh on that one. But hmm. um, no, I, uh, when I got out of the military, I thought I was going to flip houses. I just decided, you know what, the corporate thing's not for me. Uh, maybe I'll go back into the defense contracting. And I interview with Lockheed and Boeing and Raytheon and, and all these cats and and um, I was getting job offers, but I just felt like I wanted to uh, stay here in Tennessee with the with the fam- both both my wife and I are, are from Tennessee. So um, decided I was going to flip houses. Right, that was my big plan. So I read all the books, I went to all the seminars, and and you know just kind of dove in and learned as much as I can and dabbled around the real estate investing arena. And I went to a meeting in uh, in Nashville. They have a, a REN Real Estate Investors Network. And went to this meeting and they had uh, they had these it was a panel meeting and they had three lenders up on the stage. And one was a subprime lender back in the day. when We had subprime loans. Another one was a hard money lender, uh, like a private money lender. And the other one was a lady that worked at First Tennessee Bank. And the two guys, the hard money lender and the subprime lender, they were like kicked back in their chair. They had gold chains on their, you know, their shirts were halfway unbuttoned and they had their Rolex hanging out of their jacket. And, you know, they kind of had the swagger and this lady at the bank, you know, she was all prim and proper sitting up straight on the you know, front two inches of her chair. And then after, after the meeting was over, everybody swarmed these two guys. And the guy that I was there with, he was like, man, those are the guys making all the money. And I'm like, yeah, I want some of that. So I call up a friend, a buddy of mine that was in the mortgage business. I played, uh, I played rugby with him through college. And I was like, I was like, Hey man, tell me about this mortgage business. And he started laughing at me. He was like, he was like, huh, man, I'll work 20 hours. This I'll work 20 hours a week and I'll make a half million dollars this year. And I was like, what? Get out of here. But this was in, this was in like early 08 before the industry was just flipped on its head. You know, it was back in the day when, People were just, you know, everybody was getting alone if you could fog up a mirror. And so I kind of stumbled into the mortgage business. But when I got in, so here we are. We bought a house. Um, I was struggling, didn't know what I was going to do. I had, uh, you know, you go through all the depression and everything everybody goes through and getting out and contemplating suicide and just don't know who you are anymore. So I was just, as a person, I was just completely broken. And so I get into the, uh, we, we find out we're pregnant with our third child, right? So I, now I've got a mortgage. I've got a wife who doesn't work. She can't because we've got two babies at home and then she's pregnant with our third and I've got no job. We had saved up a little bit of money from the, from the deployments. So I had a little bit of money in the bank, but we were eating through that. So now I've got a mortgage, a third kid on the way. We were on 10 care. We were on food stamps. I mean, it was, it was horrible. We just, we ate beans and rice and, um, just really struggled through it. But when I got into the mortgage business, uh, people would start uh, referring me veterans. They're like, oh, this guy, you know, he just got out of the military. He can speak the lingo. You, you guys need to talk to him. And people would start referring me veterans. And I quickly realized that most loan officers don't understand VA loans. They don't know how to do them. They're scared of them. They're afraid they'll screw up. Uh, most realtors don't understand how the process works. Heck, even mortgage uh, company underwriters don't really understand 
how VA loans work. It's funny. I get still to this day, I get calls all the time from underwriters from other mortgage companies that'll ask me questions. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I just, so I, when I got out, I just kind of dove in and learned everything there was to know about VA loans. I'd print off the guidelines and I'd go home and I'd read over them and I'd call the VA in Atlanta on the phone and talk to those guys. And, and, um, I just learned as much as I could about it. And then, um, just kind of, uh, made it my niche and my specialty, but what I realized through all my struggles wasn't, uh, it wasn't the military transition. It was, I lost, I, I, my identity was wrapped up in serving. And I think, you know, being in the military is, that's what happens is our identity is, is serving. And I realized that I'm not serving our great nation anymore, but I am serving one family at a time. So, that gave once I realized that it gave me that inner fulfillment, like, hey, man, I can like I feel like honestly today I'm still in uniform serving, you know, serving my fellow soldiers, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, a lot, you know, uh, that's a great story and, and a lot of things I want to touch on there. Um, but let, let me ask you, would you say uh, that you didn't uh, that you didn't give yourself kind of enough time or do you think things would have been different if you had? Or if you had given yourself more time or, 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 or not, I guess. Uh, Cause it, see, it seemed kind of, you know, the, the, the thing that I see with a lot of people, right? Like it's, Hey, I know I want to support my family. I know the location I want to be in. I don't really know what I want to do, but uh, I, I, we're going to go ahead and make this decision and figure it out. Did, it, did you give yourself enough time or, or would you in hindsight have given yourself more time to, to plan the transition? No, uh, I definitely didn't give myself enough time. They, um, when I got order, um, you know, orders were coming out for the next assignment. And at that same time, the Air Force, this was in 08, the Air Force was doing a force shaping board. And they came out and they said, in my career field, uh, it was overmanned. So if you want to get out, um, we will, uh, we'll, they'll let us out, you know, without having to finish our, our 10 year commitment. Right. And, um, so uh, that was how I got out. I made the decision quick. My colonel that I reported to thought I was crazy because he was doing everything he could to put me in for, you know, for the next assignment that I got. And, and you know, it took a lot of work on his end to get to get me uh, selected for it. So, you know, I think um, I, I definitely did not give myself enough time. And then once you put in those papers, it's it's done. You know, you're <laughs> you're done. Uh, so, yeah I, yeah, I definitely, you know, I don't think you can, I, I don't, I mean, how do you plan for it? Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no. And, th and that's a, and that's a good point. So, so there's really two stories I want to tell here. And that's the, that's the, I mean, I am a big advocate of backwards planning. Uh, it's what we, what we were taught in the military uh, from actions on the objective. Right. So uh, it's, you can, I can go with the approach that, you know, you know, some point, someday you're going to get out of the military. So, uh, yeah, you should be doing networking, informational interviews, and it doesn't have to be, you know, super as professional. It could be with, hey, you know, like I might want to own my own business one day. Uh, so let me talk to, you know, Bob's Fish Fry over here. And, you know, even though if you're not, you don't want to get into restaurants, you just, you know, how's it like running your own business, Bob? Uh, it, so, so you can start simple there and be relaxed and, and, you know, do it over a cup of coffee. But, but at the same time, the thing a lot of us don't think about is we're, to your point, we, we join the military to serve and we get wrapped up a lot in that service side. And every, every minute to me, like, I mean, I felt like if I wasn't studying, if I wasn't, you know, preparing some sort of, uh, writing an award or preparing some sort of operational plan that I wasn't, that I was, I wasn't doing the military justice. And, um, it, there's no right answer depending on, on how much time and effort you give, but, but you can do that. You can start the backward planning process to learn yourself a little bit more. That being said, um, you know, out of reality, you know, people are probably going to continue down the path that you and I continue down. And the best thing we can do is, is, is share our success stories and, and let them yeah. know that there is light at the end of the tunnel and it's going to take some finding yourself. So you, you talked about, 
you know, struggling through it. And you talked about, you know, stumbling into so that repeatedly stumbling into the mortgage business. And, and I guarantee you two years into, into being in the air force, somebody said, you're going to be a mortgage, uh, you know, 10 years from now or whatever you, you would have, you would have laughed at them, but, but you found that, that, that root cause of that deeper lying issue. And that was the service piece that was continuing to serve. And there's many ways to do that. And you, you, you carved out your little niche within the mortgage side to continue supporting veterans uh, by your knowledge and experience in the VA home loan process. And then, and then broke it down to the, you know, even the sub level, I'm here to support families. I know how it was, how it was eating beans and rice and paying a mortgage and not having a job and living off of the pennies in my pocket, so to speak for, for several years. So I'm here to, you know, share that experience and let you know that, there's avenues of approach and there's ways to get better. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think, um, you know, a minute ago you mentioned the backwards planning. I see now that I'm, you know, uh, going on 13 years in this business, I see, I work with a lot of other entrepreneurs and small business owners and, you know, being an entrepreneur myself, I, I, I see a lot of, I see a lot of guys that, they come up with a great idea and a great business plan or whatever they're going to do. And then they study it and then they study it and then they study it some more and then they plan and then they talk to people. And next thing you know, they haven't taken any action. And I'm like, yep. look, so I, I, my saying, my saying is your little bit of action is better than a whole lot of planning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the kind of guy that I'll jump in and figure it out as while I'm trying to swim, you know? Yeah, and that that's the rich dad poor dad approach, right? So so yeah, you you need to do some research. You need to know if it's within your capabilities. Um, but I mean, I was the same thing. If I if I didn't jump into this podcast, I would probably still be, you know, since I'm so type A, such a planner, I would still be like trying to fine tooth comb everything to make sure it was right. And here I've launched it six you know six months ago, and and I've learned a lot on the fly, you know, and, uh, and I'm sure the same was in your situation. So, uh, you know, I just, I advise the, to the listeners out there, you know, if, cause I see a lot of the family location, you know, not so much worried about the job, then that's fine. Just be, um, you know, if you're going to hone in on that area, then learn network. Uh, if you know, Hey, I'm moving back to, you know, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, well, then nothing stops you when you're still in the military to just start picking up the phone, so to speak, or going on LinkedIn or whatever and start talking to businesses in Sheboygan, Wisconsin and know that you might have to sacrifice income or something of that nature uh, initially because because you're narrowing yourself down to a market. But at the same time, uh, there are six stories of success and overcoming and it eventually just takes a uh, you know, a lot of that hard work and finding a niche and, and creating your own, uh, creating your own runway, so to speak. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about that. Let me throw some, I'll throw some numbers at you. And I do, a, I do a lot of study and research on this. Um, so here's the facts. And they say, um, 80 something percent of veterans get out of the military making 64% less income. So here's an example. Uh, average person getting out right now is an E5, 10 years of service with dependents. An E5 with dependents after BAH and everything, base pay, BAS, everything all included, is direct deposit right around $5,000 a month into their bank account. So the civilian equivalent to having $5,000 net deposited into your bank account after taxes, after your health insurance, health care cost comes out, after you pay housing, all that other stuff is, is about $85,000 a year. Mm. Well, how many guys, how many E5s are getting out making $85,000 a year? Yeah. Not, not very many. So nope. the fact is most everybody gets out of the military, takes a huge cut in pay because a lot of guys just go work for a factory because they're like, hey, I've got to put food on the table. I don't have time to think about it. Um, I've just got to get back to work. So most people are getting out. They're taking a job that's underqualified for their skills. It's underpaid for what they're used to making. And as a result, your finances take a big hit. Um, and I see that just, you know, that was one of the things that I got so passionate about when I first got in the mortgage business was like, oh, my God, veterans manage credit is jacked up. I mean, it's just uh, it's wild. So. 
that's kind of my mission in life is, is if we can educate, you know, I tell guys now, young guys that are in the military, I'm like, look, if you can come out of the military and not have any debt, I mean, don't have a car payment, don't have credit cards, definitely don't have student loans, you're going to be okay because you can take a decrease in income. But if you're in the military and you are living check to check and you get out, it's going to be brutal. Yeah, no, and that's a that's a very valid point. Uh, and I know we're going to touch base probably that on that a little bit more, but, uh, but, but a couple of things I wanted to highlight is, is I'm not saying, uh, for the listeners out there that, that it's going to happen. Now you're showing the stats. It's most likely going to happen. And as somebody who's in the mortgage game and in the real estate game, like you play the numbers and that's really pretty much any game these days. Uh, you, you play the numbers and, and if you do better than the numbers, then then you're better than, you know, better than the average, so to speak. So uh, you just you have to calculate that in your plan and then you have to calculate that with your plan. If you go into a commission based job of, of risk and then you look at, well, I wanted family time. Am I working more? Am I not working more? So th- there's a lot of other things that play into that. But there's nothing to say. There's nothing wrong necessarily with going into you know that factory job. Uh, in doing that for a few years, as you start to figure yourself out, because uh, you do need to put money on the table, you just need to be aware that that to your point that there's there's it's gonna hurt. I mean, even even somebody like me, Captain, getting out. I mean, it, I am. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm four years separated, and I'm still like getting used to not having that cash. Like I'm I'm. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I'm sick of, of saying woe is me and it becomes the uh, uh, how can I make this happen approach to go back to, you know, rich dad and poor dad. So, uh, you know, th- there'll, there'll be some trial and tribulation, so to speak, but uh, but you need to prepare yourself and you need to need to have that knowledge. So, um, you know, with that being said, let's let's talk about before we get into, you know, housing. I mean, that's a perfect segue into, uh, you know, that that side gig that you're working on to help uh, individuals with their credit. Yeah, so um, I've been working on it for several years. It's always been a, a passion of mine because once I, you know me, I'm the fix it guy. So once I see a pro- once I identify a problem, I want to be a part of the solution. Right. Um and I immediately saw when I started pulling credit on veterans, I just saw it over and over and over again. I say saw like it's in the past. I still see it to this day. Um, veterans, their credit's just totally jacked up. And I was like, man, you know, wouldn't it be nice if the VA were to provide credit repair <laughs> service? Like, I feel like if your credit is jacked up as a result of your military service, then the VA should cover it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get some private companies like Bank of America or USAA or, uh, you know, Chase or somebody like that to pony up the money to put you through credit repair, uh, you know, so your credit repair is provided courtesy of Bank of America. So that was kind of my big grand scheme vision. I was like, all right, I'm going to put together a nonprofit. We're going to start a credit repair company and we're going to help these guys get back on their feet. So it's been years in the works. Um, We got a credit repair company up. Uh, and running now and just kind of walking through that process. But the vision for this credit repair company is we had to start it as a for-profit entity, but the vision is switch it eventually to a non-for-profit and be able to offer free credit repair uh, if your credit's jacked up as a result of your military service. And this is is kind of my passion project, man. This is my give back. Um, you know, I don't plan on making any money on this initiative. It's just, it's it's my this is my way of, of addressing a big national problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I commend you for that. And, and you know, along those lines, just while we're talking credit, you know, it, there, there's there's a lot of school thought, you know, D- Dave Ramsey would tell you one thing and, and uh, you know, the guys from Bigger Pockets would tell you another. It's just, it, it depends on where it, just like your military transition, where it fits into your life and where it fits into your process. And you need to, you need to study that information, learn it, know what it means, or, or connect with people that are experts in that area. And I, and I would say that, um, you know, me personally, there, there's, I, I would say that there is opportunity to, to have, you know, I guess good credit, so to speak, right? So uh, not everybody would agree with me, but 
uh, it's a it's a matter of what a long you know aligns with your vision. So it's not necessarily the going out and buying a nice car, uh, you know, because you think it's a cool thing to to drive. But it might be going out and buying a buying a home um, that uh, that potentially turns into either investment property or it's just equity built up oh, uh, as long as you live there, you know. So it, it, it's it's how you. It, it, I go back to good uh, to to rich dad poor dad again, and it's about finding assets. It's about finding things that provide asset to your portfolio, to your life, and not provide liability. And you know, some people would say education. You know, that's one. Oh, is that is that good credit or bad credit? You know, I don't know. It depends if it nets you a job or not. I guess at the end of the day, you know, um, or or maybe not a degree, but let's say a certification. You know, if you go you're going out and paying money to get a certification you never use it well then obviously there's a liability but if it gets you a pay raise then it becomes an asset so it's all about how you look at things um and and i advise right. you to take a look at all those purchases of whether it's providing value or not um to help positively move your credit in the right direction yeah you know i tell i uh, you you brought up a really good point about the um about the car and about buying a house, but number one cause where I see people get into financial trouble, almost 100% of the time, it always begins with the purchase of a vehicle. Mm. Somebody will buy a car and that's the beginning of the downfall. So if you can you know, get out of life, especially these younger guys coming in as E1, 2s, and 3s, if you can just avoid being part of all your friends that drive the nice brand new pickup truck and then they have a motorcycle, you know, if you can uh, if you can avoid being part of that and drive like a Honda Accord or something, uh, you know, or an older F-150 that's got some miles on it and pay cash for it, you're going to be fine, man. But but I would say, you know, I look at probably, uh, you know, 60 something people's credit every month. Really, I look at more than that. I look at so many credit reports. And when I see ones that are that are ugly, it always begins with a car. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in in. Uh, to me, it comes down to, uh, I, I said it before and I'll say it again, know the numbers, right? Um, it, it's that simple. You take some of the emotion out of it because um, there's no emotion in your credit score, uh, but there's numbers and you need to know the numbers uh, and, and play and play the numbers game. And my, my example started off, you know, I'll be honest, my father raised me with don't owe anybody anything. Uh, so when I left for the army, I literally left with everything I owned in a Honda Civic and everything all my cash in pocket. I had about $1,500 to my name. Uh, and I bet I had no debt. So everybody would say, good, good, right? Well, I, I turned around in, in USA, you probably maybe did the same thing, but USA offered a commissioning personal, um, personal loan at 2% uh, interest. I think it was 2%. Uh, maybe it was one five or something. I don't know. And and I said, and, and my father was, you know, that devil on my shoulder going, don't owe anybody everything, anything, you're going to have to pay 2% interest on that. And it took years of, of, of him beating that through my head and me to look at the numbers and go, wait a minute. So, okay, if I take this $25,000 and go blow it on a new car, then yeah, I'm going to owe somebody something. Rather than that, I put a couple extra bucks in my pocket, paid off my student loans, which were at whatever they were, 5% interest. And then I took the rest of the $16,000, dollars and I invested it into a, into a, a mutual fund, a, a moderate, I think it was a moderately aggressive. It wasn't even, I should have been more aggressive, but my point was, is I was yielding at that point, like 9% interest. So I turned around and used those numbers into my favor. So I, it becomes a numbers game. It is. So let's talk tactical real quick. The um, one of the most important things that I learned about finances was um, from a, a, a gentleman I work for is a multi multi millionaire. Um, and he always said this and, and it just really resonates. But finances, Ryan, are finances tactical or emotional? Are, are they tactical or emotional? Yeah. Tactical. Yes. Most. How do most people take their finances? Emotional. <laughs> Very much so. You have to realize the first step in getting control of your finances. Finances are not emotional. 
running a business, not emotional. Getting a job can feel like it's emotional. It's not emotional. It's tactical. Mm -hmm. Finding the right job, making the right amount of income, all that stuff is tactical. We get it, we get it twisted when we get emotions involved. So uh, the first thing about, let's talk tactically about finances, right? Finances is as simple as sitting down with pencil and a piece of paper and a calculator. It's that simple. Working a budget, pencil, piece of paper, calculator, buying a car, pencil, piece of paper, calculator, buying a house, same thing, everything. It's tactical. Either you can do it or you can't do it. Either it aligns with where you want to be five years from now or it doesn't. Most people don't look at it that way. They're like, oh, snaps, that's that new uh, Titan. Like, I really like that new Titan truck. I'd love to have one. I'm not about to go buy one because it just it doesn't line up with my goals five years from now. Yep. So I think it's important to, to know where you where you want to go, because if you don't know where you want to go, you're just going to kind of float through life and you're going to make decisions that come at you in a whim and you're not going to be prepared for it. So, uh, you know, the biggest thing is <clears throat> let's talk financial stability. So the biggest thing for someone financially that you could possibly do is to, to buy a house and own a home. So. A lot of people, what they'll do is they'll go buy a nice car and then all of a sudden now they don't qualify to buy a house because their car payment's 600 bucks a month and they don't qualify to buy a house. Well, your car is losing value. It's not making you any money. It's costing you money every month to drive. And then you got to put maintenance into it and then you're going to be able to turn around and sell it for a quarter of what you paid for it. It's just not a good, it's not an investment at all. What a house is, you know, a house is an investment so you have to live somewhere right so instead of throwing away money every month into rent why not take that fifteen hundred dollars or whatever you're spending on rent put that into your own house so it's kind of like a long-term savings account but the beauty in buying a home is uh, middle tennessee for example has increased in equity a hundred thousand dollars on average in the last two years so if you have owned a home in middle tennessee and over the last two years, more than likely, you are now $100,000 richer than you were before. So it's almost a no-brainer. And our, our, our Middle Tennessee market continues to rise, and especially if you're in a military community where, where so many people are constantly coming and going, it's a no-brainer to buy a house. So you buy a house, live in it for two or three years, turn around and sell it, and then make fifty, hundred thousand dollars, whatever. I don't think we're going to see the hundred thousand dollar equity increase over the next few years, but we are going to continue to see it go up. Um, I think you're going to see, you know, the next two years probably a fifty thousand dollar increase. So take that money when you go to sell your house, then go buy a nice car, then go or take that fifty thousand. The smart thing to do would be to put it down towards your next house, do a slight upgrade on your house, your next house. You sell it, you make seventy five thousand dollars. They say hypothetically uh, on paper, if you buy and sell five houses, you should be able to have your, your fifth one paid off cash. So what you do is you buy a house, earn a little bit of equity, sell it, put the money down towards the next one. You buy another one, you get more equity, you put it down towards the next one, and then your, your fifth house, you downsize, pay cash, and you're done. You don't ever have a mortgage or rent ever again. And that's, that's my friend, is when you can retire. Yeah, and 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 that's just and that's one half of it, right? That's the offensive side of side of the you know game. It's it, now you you start playing taxes into it, and uh, what the benefit is of the taxes, but then you look at the interest that you're paying on your car, and it's just uh, interest versus car versus interest that's written off from the taxes on your house. I mean, so there's a defensive side of it that that makes it uh, a better investment. Um, you know, and, and I'm not going to sit here and advocate that. Uh, you know, you, you, you probably will. And there's different situations, right? Like my mother, uh, a single older lady, like I'm trying to get her to sell her home and rent a place because, you know, she can't keep up with the maintenance and so on and so forth. So I'm not saying own a home just for the fact to own a home, but, but somebody who's generally in this transition window, who's, who's looking to get out, uh, who's looking for, uh, you know, some stability location wise, family wise, then, uh, you know, take a look at the numbers and take a look at what's a better investment for you in the long term, because everybody wants to focus on the short term, right? Like, uh, hey, I got out, we're happy now. Uh, we want to settle down, want the new nice car, we're not going anywhere, I'm going to have a good stable job, I can get this and get that. And the next thing you know, like, your, your budget, your, your, 
$500 under budget, you know, every month. And you, so you start to figure it out. And now you can't get a raise or maybe you're not going to get a raise or now you start looking for other jobs. Now you're working, you know, maybe two jobs or now you're selling, you know, selling half the things in your house and you start, you keep, you fall in that trap of, of scraping to kind of get by. So, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a conversation I'm glad we're having because it's something that yeah. service members need to be, uh, aware of when when they transition because it, it is a it is a game changer getting out uh, getting out of the military and the to your point that started all this the the amount of money you need to make uh, when when you start taking taxes into the equation on the civil side. So let's use that uh, since we are talking about homes now and uh, kind of give us your you know that 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 loan officer uh, niche that you found yourself into as far as the VA home loans and, and give some of uh, the listeners out there who are probably potentially buying their first home, you know, like what, what some of the benefits of the VA home loan is and, and how to go about using it, to, uh, uh, you know, to buy their, their forever home, so to speak. And um, when they settle down with that family in that location that they want. Okay. You said a good, good keyword forever home. Um, Forever home for me is for the person in their 50s, 60s, and in your if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, you need to be making money moves. Uh, a house to me is an investment. It's not, uh, you know, to my wife it may be something different. To my wife, it's nest. It's where you, you know, you're gonna raise the kids and all that. To me, I'm looking at it like uh, I want to buy this thing as cheap as I can. I want to turn around and sell it as much as I can. So I kind of look at uh, look at housing a little bit differently, and I advise especially first-time buyers or even second-time buyers to do the same thing. I, I always tell people, this is not going to be your forever home. Statistically, you're going to live in your first home for about five years. So the goal is you want to live, you want to buy a house, stop stop the bleeding, stop paying rent, start building some equity in a house. Uh, buy it, turn around and sell it, then go buy your second house. When your second house, then you can start getting some of the stuff you like. But your first home, it's not your forever house. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be big and elaborate. Just the, the point of buying your first home especially is I've got uh, I've got two rules for buying a first home. One, you want to be able to sell it fast. And number two, you want to be able to sell it for a profit. So why I say you need to sell it fast is let's say you're active duty and you catch orders and you need to PCS and you don't want to keep that house as a rental, you need to be able to offload it. So uh, what houses can you sell fast? A house in a neighborhood in town usually is going to sell fast. A house, the opposite of that would be a house out in the country that's funky and unique. It's not going to sell fast. You're going to be stuck with it. So, or let's say you get out, it's your second home and you're, you buy your dream house out in the country and you're like, man, you know, I'm kind of struggling. I really, I got this job offer that's a perfect dream job, same thing I was doing in the military, I'm going to jump on this, now you've got to sell that house. So um, it's you know it's a little bit different when you find your forever dream home, but I, I think uh, in my opinion, if you're, if you're a young family, you need to be look, using your hat, leveraging your VA benefits to make money. Now uh, let me talk about that for just a second. So. Uh, veterans don't realize what kind of blessing or benefit the VA loan is. Man, it is a huge blessing. There's no one else out there that can buy a house with no money down. Let, 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 me, let me use an extreme scenario for you. So, uh, you know, up at Fort Campbell, there's a lot of quad quadplexes up there. There's not really many in the Nashville area, but you can buy a four-unit, a four-family unit, as long as you're living in one of them with no money down. So you buy this place. You rent out the other three units. Your three tenants pay your rent for you. And then let's say you decide, hey, I don't like this place anymore. I'm going to move out. You go rent out the fourth unit and then use a second tier entitlement to use your VA loan again to go buy another house with no money down. So now you own two houses. Well, let's say you've got your now. Well, wait a minute. Let me stop. Let me pause there. Your other house, you've got all four units rented out. It's cash flowing. If you're not making three or four grand a month, you know, shame on you. So you're making three or four grand a month that's residual income for the rest of your life. You can hand down to your children. All you have to do is pay a management company to manage your, you know, manage your properties for you. It's too easy, right? So your second house, let's say you're like, you know, I really don't like this house. I want to go, I want to go buy another one. 
but it's in a good market. You want to rent that one out. Well, hey, man, rent that one out for now that you've upgraded a little bit. Let's say $1,500. We do a VA cash out refinance on that house, pull all your equity out of that house while you're still living in it. Then you use that money to go buy another property. You go buy another rental property or do a conventional loan and buy yourself another primary residence. It's, it's, it's a no brainer. It really is. And it's really a blessing to veterans because nobody else what I, the scenario I just explained, if you're not a veteran, you can't do it that way. You got to have a lot of money in the game to, do, to play that game. Yeah, no. So, so I'm going to highlight a few things here. Um, first is two previous podcasts. So my one uh, with Eric Roberts, uh, he basically, and, and you said it like his first couple properties, uh, he, he never planned on really getting into real estate. He just bought it uh, rather than renting out in the first couple duty stations. And he, he, he learned a lot of valuable lessons and he did it. He's like, I did a lot of things wrong. He says on the podcast, he's like, and I'm still breaking even despite me, like just totally jacking up the process and, and then learning, learning from it. And then uh, I know Nick uh, Mershon on his, on, on one of the previous episodes, he's using that, that VA process uh, to, to his benefits and, and you highlighted a house hacking. So, so my, you know, I, I'll be honest, I made, you know, made the same mistake, got wrapped up in emotion. Now I'm in a, smaller community and my, my market was uh, pretty limited, but uh, I, I went with the emotion rather than looking at the numbers side of the house. And here I have a, a nice three bedroom home with a third bedroom for the guests that have uh, like the three of them that have visited me over the last three years and otherwise stays empty. And I'm basically paying for, I'm paying for square footage. I'm not using more or less. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so bad, bad investment on my part because of emotional, uh, decisions and it's a it's a lesson learned from my my end and I will uh, when I relocate next time I will house hack on a on a you know quadplex or triplex or even a duplex or something of that nature um, so I mean that's just my end it's a real life story of of you know you know what you know and uh, you know you make decisions and sometimes they're not the best but uh, uh, you know fool me twice it's not going to happen to me and I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to go ahead and make myself better from it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I think it's a, uh, you know, and it's and it's easy to say, oh, uh, I'm going to make tactical decisions while we're sitting here and talking about it. But you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, it's really difficult. And that's where I'm always a big fan of, uh, oh, you know, so many of us grew up <clears throat> in the households where you don't talk about finances, you don't discuss money, you don't discuss how much money somebody makes or how much, you know, people finances are a big hush hush. In my household, it's actually the exact opposite. I talk openly about money. I think it's good to talk openly about money. And um, the, one of the main reasons is, is because before I make any big purchases or do anything stupid, I reach out usually to my father-in-law. I'm like, hey, Mo, let me run this by you real quick. What do you think? And, um, you know, it's good to have someone else in your corner to bounce an idea off of because it's usually if a husband and wife – make a decision financially together, they make a good decision. Um, you know, it's very rare that a husband and wife together will make a bad financial decision as long as they're in it together. So, you know, if you've got a spouse, talk to your spouse. If you and your spouse aren't on the same page with finances, find someone. Uh, and this is a great, I could do, I, I could, I could write a book about this alone, but find someone who is a worthy mentor, uh, to, to, to pour into you about finances. And now let's talk about what a worthy mentor is. A worthy mentor is not the dude that works at Nissan beside you and he's got the brand new Titan and he's got a boat and he's got a Polaris Razor, uh, but he doesn't have a pot to piss in, doesn't have any money in the bank. Uh, that's not the guy to take advice from. Don't take advice from your uncle that's broke, that lives in a big mansion, but he didn't have a pot to piss in either and he drives a Cadillac Escalade. Take financial advice from someone that, uh, that's where you want to be 30 years from now, 40 years from now, maybe retired, their kids are well off, their kids are doing well. The, you know, in the Bible, it talks about a bad tree cannot produce good fruit and vice versa. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. So when I'm looking for someone to mentor me, um, which I've got multiple mentors in my life in multiple areas, but I look for, I look at the fruits, man. And, and if there's, if there's, if I see good fruit, then I know that's a good tree and that's someone that's solid and firm that I want to get advice from. But I look at, uh, I look at all areas in life. So find yourself, if you don't have one, a worthy mentor that's worth 
uh, getting advice from. And you may have to you may have to you may have to dive deep and you may think someone has it together on the surface and you start diving a little bit deeper and you're like, eh, that's not who I want to be 20 years from now. So, uh, you know, find someone that's 20 years older than you or so that's where you want to be and just t let them take you under their wing. And I think that's one thing that military guys, we do really well is we'll really quickly pull somebody under our wing and mentor them. Yeah, yeah, we're we're good at that, and veterans are good at that, and I couldn't agree more with with finding somebody who's who's aged at what you know what you what, what you picture yourself. So, um, a couple things I wanted to say were uh, Millionaire Next Door. Read the book. Uh, it's not one of the greatest uh, reads as far as uh, I guess just how it's how it's written. It gets a little. Text. Oh, I love that book. Yeah, it, it, it feels a little text at time, but it but it has a lot of. I mean, you can skim it and get. In my opinion, I mean, I I skimmed through it and got and hit the highlights, and I skimmed some of the stories that got a little repetitive. But at the end of the day, it you know I, it changed my whole outlook at things like uh, you know my wife and I go out now, and it's like she's like oh look at this person oh they you know look at the oh they rolled up in the Escalade and uh, and they got the Versace bag they must be rich and I'm like no doesn't mean that they're rich they might be dead broke they might be spending every dime they get and they they appear as rich but they have no they have no you know financial backing and therefore they're not they're not using compounding interest to their advantage and and they're going to be you know the ones kids that are taking care of them when they're you know or, or never retiring type thing so yeah don't judge a book by its cover i guess is the moral of the story especially when you're going after mentorship and then uh on the partnership side of the house i mean it, it it's I'm, you know, I'm there. I, again, I'll be open and honest. My, uh, my wife and I, we don't, we, I'm talking finances in our house is still hard. Um, we never really did it. We didn't have to worry about it as much when I was in the military. And then, uh, uh, we, we did work out where I, I basically managed the retirement and she manages the monthly budget. Uh, so that gave us a, both a little, you know, control as uh, as we're power hungry a power hungry new yorker and a power hungry texan so that that worked out for a period of time but uh, but as we as as the budget changed you know we had a kid bought a car got a mortgage all that stuff kind of ins and outs and and, and we we find ourselves having to make like key decisions like hey are we going to go on vacation this year can we afford it where do we have to cut where can we and, and there's been a lot of like you know not talk each other for the rest of the night uh, thing, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but we're getting better at it, you know, and to your point, I, you know, it's not going to come natural and easy in our culture for some reason, but uh, don't just keep, if, if one of you wants to shove it by the wayside, I mean, there's a way to go tactical about it, but, but keep talking about it, you know, and especially as you have kids, um, it's even more, my opinion, like yours, it's more important to continue that conversation and, and, you know, started small. My wife and I were even talking about, you know, my daughter, she's only two, but she has a piggy bank. And I said, give her money for chores or something. And she's like, well, I'm not paying her to do chores. You know, it's, it's her responsibility if she's going to, you know, eventually dirty a plate, she's going to have to help clean it. And I said, OK, fair enough. You know, like we're not breaking it down, and arguing about every chore. I said, but at some point. I want, you know, I need to teach her about compounding interest and about saving money and spending money. So we have to find, don't call it chores. Well, let's call it something else, going above and beyond task or something. But to me, the power of teaching finance is, is a little bit stronger. So we'll, we'll find our way. I think that was a shutdown conversation because we disagreed, but uh, we'll, we'll go back and visit it in due time. So, uh, you know, please emphasize those conversations as hard as they may be at times. And then find a way to make it, you know, relax and enjoyable, you know, whether that's over a bottle of wine or whether that's, uh, you know, under some mood lighting or, or whatever. Yeah, you know, discussing finances is one of the toughest things to do as a married couple. I mean, it's one of the biggest causes of divorces. They say finances and how to raise kids. So it's it's just one of those things that you have to figure out between the two of you. And um, you have to, you know, at the end of the day, your your spouse wants to set goals with you. You want to set goals with your spouse. So, you, you know, but finding the, and usually you'll find most people have the same goals as each other. They just can't sit down and communicate it clearly. So, you know, that's the, uh, I'm not a relationship therapist by any means. My wife and I are coming up on 15 years this year together and um you know we we still don't get it right so it's not a matter of getting it right it's just a matter of discussing it i'm still trying to get better about 
discussing stuff with my wife. Like I play music, you know, like everybody else here in Nashville. And um, recently I brought home, I wanted, to, I had always wanted a nice acoustic guitar and I went and bought myself a Taylor 814 custom and the thing's beautiful. And then my wife was like, how much did that cost? And I, I just, I froze and I looked at it and I was like, I didn't discuss this with you. And it was a big purchase. Like I shouldn't have done that, but um, you, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a work in progress, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And we, you know, we do the same thing and we, we decided to allocate our budget to, you know, we had a monthly budget to ourselves and I don't think we really use it much because uh, we're both giving and rather have it go towards our daughter or go towards, you know, like or five, two, nine or something like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's it, and to your point on on like long term planning is it's funny you say that because we first just like kind of really started taking a look at it um, you know lately I said I'm not I'm just done moving life forward one foot at a time you know with a general idea what I want I'm gonna put some I'm gonna what I'm gonna put an end state down or we are gonna put an end state down and we're gonna put goals to get there so we both agreed on our end state. Uh, what we want, what we saw, like retirement and future life looking like, um, you know, say say 20 years down the road or whatever. But uh, our paths to getting there are two completely different, and nobody's to say whether there's a right or wrong path to get there. Um, so it's it's going to take some more conversations and kind of laying that out together. Um, and that's just another part of, uh, I guess, you know, the uh, the transition process. And I know, I know. It, seems like we've gone you know miles from the military transition but but i tell you as somebody um you know who who's gone through it i mean things things are just different when you're on this side and and there's a whole different it's a whole different way of looking at life you know you don't have the army telling you or the military telling you where to go every three four years or whatever you don't have to uh you know your taxes are different situation man there's a lot of just game changers you don't necessarily think about so um, the more you can kind of get this stuff in your head now, um, it, it does kind of relate to the military transition. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of um, guys going out on their own and being entrepreneurial. I think, uh, you know, the, the stuff that we learn in the military, you don't even realize how much uh, it helps you. So you're either going to be a really good – this kind of goes back to rich dad, poor dad. You're either going to go be an amazing employee for somebody and make some company – and your boss a ton of money, or you're going to go out, you're going to grab your balls, and you're going to go out on your own, and you're going to do really well on your own. And, uh, you know, just because of the stuff that you were taught and instilled in the military, you go over and start your own company using the same core values, man, you, it's, you're unstoppable. And that's just what I would encourage each, um, each veteran to get out there. You've got to, you just got to jump, man. You've got to, uh, Steve Harvey, Harvey, the the talk show host guy, mm -hmm. he did this video that I, I think is a must watch for everybody that's thinking about going out on their own and starting a business. It's called Jump. Um, and without giving too much of it away, I'll, I'll summarize it by saying you've got to, sometimes in life, you just got to take a jump. You've got to take a risk. You've got to take a chance. And you just got to jump. And sometimes when you jump off that cliff, uh, you know, the, your parachute it might, may not open right away. You may take some bumps and some bruises along the way, but eventually you are going to fly. You're going to learn to fly and you're going to soar and your parachute will open. So, you know, taking the first steps when you get out of the military or when you start your own business or you go to a job that's 100% commission, you know, starting out just plain sucks. There's no way around it. There's no, <clears throat> there's no cushion. There's no safety net. There's no nothing to fall back on. It's just you. Uh, and the first couple years, you're going to get beat up. But then after that, after a year or two years or however long it takes, you're going to look back and think, oh, my goodness, uh, I, I am so glad I did this. You know, I just personally, I probably would make a horrible employee and, and wouldn't be able to work for anybody. So it's worked out well for me. But um, I, I, another thing that I always always think about every day I'm pushing forward and I'm trying to better myself and I'm doing something to grow my business. Every single day I do something to grow my business. And, um, and every day it feels just mundane, minutia, monotonous. I hate it. I'm miserable. And while I'm in the action, I'm taking these little bitty baby steps and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm moving so slow. 
this is painful. I should be way up here. All my peers are up here. All these other, this guy just got into business. He just started his own business and he's way up here and, and, uh, I'm still back here. And, and, uh, you know, you just feel like you're walking at a snail's pace and then you, but you're still, you're shuffling forward just a little bitty baby step every single day. And then you look back at the end of the year and you're like, man, and I've come a long way. And then you look back at the end of five years and you're like, man, whoa, I've come a long way. And then you look back at 10 years and you're like, holy crap, man, I'm doing it. But then you look back down to what's in front of you that day and you're like, oh, I got to take these stupid baby steps. Oh, sure, sure. You just kind of, you know, you, you, you march your way through just like in, in boot camp, right? Uh, so just keep that in mind too, man. If you're going out starting your own business, especially you're an entrepreneur, just continue to take those baby steps struggle through the suck and embrace the suck right and then uh you're going to look back five or ten years from now and you're going to you're just going to you're you know you'll be doing interviews like this thinking man i'm so glad i did that yeah so uh i think what what resonates with all that is is network right so if you're especially you're going to start your own business you know having having a network of subject matter experts people to rely on people to bounce ideas off of uh, is going to become invaluable to you. Uh, don't quit uh, is is the other thing, right? Like I said, I'm a, I almost quit this podcast three months into it because I couldn't figure out. I got kind of stuck at, at getting viewers, and I'm like, I don't know marketing, I don't know SEO, I don't even know how to spell SEO. I don't know what it means. I don't I don't understand this social media thing and computers and ah whatever. I'm just going to hang it up. And I said, you know what? I'm going to use this to learn, you know, I'm going to use this to learn because it's, it's not costing me anything right now other than some time. So, um, in that case, if I do want to open, you know, a, a for-profit business one day that, uh, I've learned how to social media market at a very, at a very minimum. Uh, so, so don't quit, uh, you know, there's value yeah. and, and, and pull out, uh, some of that. And, and at the end of the day, that's the beauty of it. Uh, uh, that's the well, all this kind of like, uh, you know, we struggled through it. We had suicidal uh, thoughts. We we didn't know where we wanted to go in life. Like, at the end of the day, that's the beauty of it. It's it's the it's the it's the this, you know, what makes us most scared um, because you don't have the military telling you what to do and what the next step is and where you're moving next. But uh, once you once it clicks and once you figure it out it's it's endless right and as you said like oh i'm not making as much money as my peer what i'm doing wrong like and then and then you can make up for that lost time it's the the world is your oyster there is no path you can do what you want you know and and there's some great stories i mean i'm a big fan of, of bigger pockets as, as i look to get into real estate and i'm like wow i'm I'm behind the power curve. I'm closing in on 40 years old and I don't have an investment property. I'm never, but at the end of the day, I just scope it. It's not about everybody else. It's about me. It's about what I want out of my life. And then I look at, and then there's success stories. There's, I know one of the recent ones I listened to, the, the guy was like a E4, E5 Marine got out and uh, owns like 40 some properties is basically a millionaire, you know, right now. And, uh, you know, that's that's good for, you know, that's good for him. And he's just was a high school educated kid, you know, who who, who muddled through it, figured it out and, and moved on. So, you know, anybody can do anything. That's that's the great part about not being in the military. Right? It's not promote. I'm that much better than my premier peers. I'm getting promoted one year early. It's like I'm that much better than my premiers. Uh, guess what? I figured it out and I'm either getting promoted at work or I'm making, you know, cash or I'm um you know, life's easier. I can kick back and spend more time with the family because I got cash flow, whatever the case is, because it's what you want out of it. I'm sorry. I'm passionate about that. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. I think you're, you're spot on about that. And when you mentioned don't quit, don't give up that that's, that's another key to business. Uh, somebody recently asked, asked me, they said, what, what do you think makes you successful in business? And I said, man, I'm just so stubborn. Like I stubbornly just don't give up. Like if it's a challenge, I'm going to fight it just to fight it. And uh, I feel like that's the, that's the kind of attitude you have to have in business. You just have to be a fighter and you have to be a, a stubborn fighter. Like I boxed a little bit through in college and like I, I just, if, if the guy didn't knock me down, I was just going to stand there and just keep swinging. You know, I'm not going to, I am not going to stand there and not swing. So uh, I think that's the kind of attitude that you have to have in business. So I want to give you a chance to do uh, open mic time like I give all my guests. 
to kind of wrap up the show, any last things you want to talk about, tips uh, when it comes to mortgage or a VA loan or, or transition or just Marshall's key advice, you know? Oh, that's a good one. Um, so, you know, in transition with the, uh, I'll, I'll go the, with, the, with the professional route. So, you know, now after hearing me speak, you know, my, uh, you know, my why in this business is, is all about service serving and I found where I found where I can continue to serve and provide for my family and that's been the key to for me um, I don't feel like any other job for me would be as fulfilling and I don't think life is all about having the job that's fulfilling and like my job just doesn't fulfill me so I'm gonna quit and do something else I think uh, you know that's why I'm a big uh, a big uh, proponent of, of starting your own business because when it's yours, it's worth fighting for, and it's you, and it's it's uh, it's it's worth your it's worth your emotions getting your emotions wrapped up in the business, and it's worth you putting your time in for the tactics. So you know, I'm just a big fan of of jumping out on your own, starting your own business, whatever that looks like. I'm a big fan of our veteran community of being able to serve veterans and um, being able to serve the. You know, it's in our blood. It's in our DNA. So if we're not serving, then we're dying, right? And that's been proven time and time again <clears throat> with all the issues that we're having with suicide and stuff like that in the veteran community. We have to serve, man. We have to stay plugged in. Um, so with uh, with my business, you know, in the mortgage business, I think uh, just being able to continue to help people and have a positive impact. And, and you know, I, I chose the company that I work for now uh, you know, as mortgage people, we're kind of like real estate agents. We have a license that we have to hang with a financial institution. And I chose to hang my license with this financial institution because I was able to negotiate really good deal with our veterans. I mean, our interest rates are the absolute lowest. Our closing costs, we don't even charge closing costs for the lenders. Uh, we don't charge any lender fee on our, to our veterans. Um, I've got underwriter that sits uh, right next right next to me. She's been underwriting VA loans for so long. Her underwriting number begins with a zero. So um, as so that you know, looking for looking for opportunities to align myself with other people that have the same vision that I do has been really good for me, and it's allowed me to serve at a greater capacity. So my ask to you guys is, if you're looking to buy a house or you need to refinance your house reach out to me. Um, you know, I've built my business on integrity and service and I'm going to shoot you straight. And if you're a veteran that may need credit repair, uh, we've got a, a sparkyourcredit.com is the new website for the new credit repair company. I, I believe that website is up now, sparkyourcredit.com. It's not up now. It'll be up shortly. <clears throat> but, um, you know, it's uh, we're just looking at ways to continue to give back to the veteran community. And if you're looking for a job or you're looking for employment, what my vision is, is I want to build a uh, I want to build a team of special ops uh, VA loan specialists all across the country and just really hone in and specialize in VA loans and have a, a, a my vision is, is for my team to be the most respected VA lenders in the country. So all the real estate agents and all the veterans around we want to be a household name. It's like, hey, you're getting a VA loan. You need to call these guys right here. And I know I've got some stiff competition, especially up in Clarksville. And um, those guys kill me because they're all just big marketing companies, man. Uh, veterans really have to be aware of these marketing companies that do nothing but target market veterans. I'm not going to call out any of the big companies, but if you scroll to the bottom of their website, you'll see stuff like uh, Mortgage Marketing Services, LLC, doing business as... Uh, so and so united. Uh, you'll see stuff like USAA, uh, you know, privately owned, for-profit, publicly traded, you know, companies like that. That are they're just they they target market veterans, and then they may hire uh, a retired general or something like that to be the face of the company. Like, oh, we support veterans. It's just like Nike hired Michael Jordan to use him as the face of the community. So I'm not down with all that crap. I want a team of true, legit veteran owned and operated business uh, uh, and loan officers and credit repair specialists out there that know what it's like, that have been in the grind themselves, that, you know, when you're working with another veteran, you just know that they've got your back. You don't have to worry about that. It's it's like, uh, 
it's it's like you've automatically you know you're not worried about them screwing you over you know it's just a totally different aspect so if you're getting out of the military or you're a hungry go-getter and you'd like to talk more about uh becoming a loan officer or uh or getting involved in credit repair and helping people rebuild their their credit and their finances um, give me a shout. I'd love to be able to talk and, and talk you through what it looks like. And I'm, I'm looking for good, good hard chargers to hire to uh, continue to grow my vision. Yeah, no, that's awesome, Marshall. I appreciate it. And, and that's what it's about. You know, uh, you, you need to, uh, in anything you do, need to, to network and interview and, and learn uh, what the interest is of everybody um, uh, in, in any aspect, I would say. But uh, certainly, uh, when it comes to your finances uh, and home purchasing major event, uh, don't go with just anybody. Do your due diligence. And I'll put the sparkyourcredit.com uh, in the show notes. I'll put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes so people can uh, find a place to reach and how to reach out to you. And uh, again, I appreciate it uh, very much. It was a great, uh, great conversation today. And I, I thank you for taking time to stop by. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Also, check out VALoansTN.com, V-A-L-O-A-N-S-T-N.com. I've got a ton of educational content and that website. Everything you need to know about VA loans, I've done videos on, and it's all in uh, VALoansTN.com. And that'll be in the show notes as well. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh, Marshall Sparkman stopping by, sharing his his wealth of knowledge. And I know the focus was to be VA home loans, and we did touch on that. But uh, when you're talking home buying, uh, even with a mortgage agent, that uh, it's something that's going to come up finances and just uh, you know taking that into consideration when you go through the military transition is something of vital importance. So uh, hopefully. You got something out of today's episode between the finances, between the, the home buy-in, between the VA home loans and just Marshall's transition experience. Uh, I believe it was a lot to offer. Uh, take time, play it again, rewind uh, and dive into some of this stuff as it becomes necessary for you. So uh, thank you very much to Marshall Sparkman. Thank you very much to the listeners out there. Remember, uh, rate, review me on Apple Podcasts. Leave me a voice uh, message on www.anchor.fm uh, or go on the www.viewfromtheskies.weebly.com website uh, where you can you can leave me feedback or you can go on the View From The Skies Facebook page or the LinkedIn uh, company page as well and leave your thoughts and feedback there. So plenty of opportunity for you to generate uh, feedback, for you to ask questions and engage uh, with veterans out there and other other military transitioning uh, service members so you can uh, get come out of this with the greatest success possible and leave the foxhole better for the next person thank you mm-hmm.